Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday night, February 15th, 2022. You might be listening to this the following Wednesday morning. My name is Jake Luke. Joined uh, on my screen here. I guess we can we do a little bit of a post-Super Bowl pod, a little bit of a mailbag situation going to be going on. We got uh, got a lot going on here. Uh, not a whole lot of Ravens news to really touch on, but uh, we do have some things that we are going to be hitting on in today's show. Uh, I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz and uh, by Vasilis Lurikos. How's it going, pal? Z pals with a Z. We got the Greek freak, baby. Greek That's freak it. In the That's it. Uh, doing fantastic. Great to see you guys. It's been too long. Post Super Bowl, it's uh, it's a great time of year to start digging into some off season speculation, in my view. Yeah. Certainly, it, it's uh, it's 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 time to hit the rumor mill, hit the the free agent talk, the draft talk, all of it. This is this is the fun part of the year to me, and we can really just word vomit and have fun and say ridiculous stuff, and it's just no pressure. We're we're in a vacuum. We're we're pressure free. Get to get all our takes out and get all that fun stuff going. So it's gonna be a fun one. I can feel it. We needed you, Vaz. We needed you for this episode. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Yeah, it kind of feels <laughs> like uh it kind of feels like the we've talked about doing the the reset type pods where you know the, the stress is cleared, the cobwebs are cleared a little bit. Uh but yeah, and then you, you gotta get the uh you gotta get the auditor in here, as uh Tony is saying, Vaz is coming <laughs> and spend all the money. Uh yeah, I, I I have a feeling that you're gonna have some ideas in that regard, as we alluded to before we got going here. But uh how's everything else going with you, pal? I'm good, man. Just celebrated her birthday yesterday. Um Valentine's baby. So, you know, it's uh it's been good to me over the years. It continues to be. And I'm just I just really think now's the time to to talk a little philosophy, a little roster building philosophy, a little team building philosophy, and uh, I really have a big question, a big a big brain question for you guys: Do the Ravens take too much of a long term strategy building the roster? Because I think in pretty much every single decision they make, whether it's draft, free agency, or whatever, it's focused on the long term and long term stability. 
And we just saw a very short-term oriented team, Hoysa Lombardi, and it seems that that's the direction the league's going in. Definitely, and that's why I think Sashi Brown's an interesting hire coming from the NBA and understanding the way the contract language can help in that regard and maybe get a little more creative on that front. But to me, I think that, and again, so many of these things, I think it really goes up to Steve Bashotti, and I think that they have a little PTSD from when they were hitting the all-in hammer as hard as they could, ringing the bell, ringing the bell, ringing the bell. Let's get everybody. Let's bring in as much talent as we can. You know, they bring in Anquan Bolt in there. They're wheeling and dealing across their offensive line, getting getting all kinds of different guys. And then um, they didn't really think about Joe Flacco's situation beyond throwing him the bag and figuring it out later. So it feels like they are scorned from the fact that they ended up in like that three-year rebuild where they couldn't buy the postseason. And I think that they're a little scared of, of irrelevancy um, and not being a, one, you know, one of those six or seven franchises, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Steelers, the, I don't know, you know, Broncos at times, Colts, whatever it was, or Patriots, you know, these teams that have kind of perennially been in the dance and been successful and been winning and had that air of like, having a winning organization. So I think there's a little just trepidation of missing when they swing in a way. And I think that, you know, Earl Thomas probably also gives him a little PTSD, um, but not everybody's going to do that. Earl Thomas is an outlier, not a, a norm, not often, or, you know, brother fuckers going to be the situation when you pay someone, you know, 50, $60 million. There's not going to be some weird, weird situation like that too often, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that you make good points, Vaz, a lot of times when you talk because uh, the Ravens used to ha- used to be the niche. They used to have their comp pick formula that they liked, and they used to be kind of ahead of the curve. But are they ahead of the curve anymore now? No, it's it's globalized. You know, everybody's got these ways of thinking. So um, it's it's tough. And I think there's another interesting thing, which is, I mean, the Rams do have an owner that is inordinately wealthy, and they're in a mega market. And for instance, I mean, Mark Davis and the Raiders had to move because they couldn't afford to be there. And I think that's like, I know Cincy fans get so pissed off because Carson Palmer's still banging on that drum saying Joe Burrow's not going to want to stay there because they can't afford to for a, sustain that kind of bill and foot that kind of bill for a long time there. So I think there's some weird factors in it, but... I don't know. I, I think it's a little PTSD that that holds them back from from a couple different things, but they are still aggressive. I mean, it's been mainly defensively, and I think that they do very much so subscribe to the ideology of let's let's buy an off or let's draft an offense and let's buy a defense. And it feels like they've been doing that for like a decade now. So definitely definitely a good good way to open our brains up heading into the off season and get some some language out. Yeah, I think I look at it as like. I, I, don't, I don't know if I totally agree. And we've talked about this. I don't know if I totally agree with your premise. And you touched on this a little bit, Spenny. I, I kind of look at DaCosta as like calculatedly swashbuckling, if that makes sense. Like he does definitely sort of defer to that stability mindset. Steve Bashotti builds Aerotech from his garage or whatever the story is. And, you know, whatever. You, we don't have to mythologize about that. I'm sure he had help. But like, you know, he... he built a business from the ground up. And I think he kind of runs the Ravens that way. And I think that's a good thing in a lot of different respects, but 
there are times, to your point, where I would like to see them kind of swing the hammer a little bit more, to use your terminology there. But I do think they have made moves, like Earl Thomas. And what sucks about the Earl Thomas thing is he was great in 2019. Like, And it sucks that he had to you know, be an asshole and kind of separate himself from his teammates. And that does raise the bigger discussion you've brought up about Harbaugh's culture and like what is the value there if he can't rein in guys like that. But I do think that is just like a true like one in 10 outlier. Um, a guy like that just going so off the rails like that, not just with the, the brother effing, but with the... Uh, just being a dick to his teammates by the sound of it and just completely alienating himself and, you know, starting, missing meetings, starting fights, missing meetings. Like you can't be doing that stuff in a professional environment. So like, it's, it's a shame they couldn't make that work, but he's a big swing. Marcus Peters is an all in swing in 2019 that should have netted them more than it netted them that year. And they come out flat and they lose a playoff game. And that's probably part of the reason why we're having this conversation. If they had advanced to even the AFC championship game that year, which, you know, all they had to do was win that game. If the Ravens beat the Titans and then lost the next game, everything would be changed. About the way would, thing, I, I have a feeling things might be markedly different, but that's spilt, spilt beer at this point. So we don't have to like go too crazy about that. 2020 they go. I mean, Calais Campbell kind of an all in move. They didn't have to like, you know, give up a ton. They didn't have to compensate him a ton, but that they had was, to pay him a lot though. He, they paid he was him a, they one paid of the most highly amount. paid interior defensive linemen. In I think top five. 15 mil a year. 15 yeah. Mil I see year. that as a pretty all in move fifth round pick, but they did pay him a lot. And then unique and Gakwe, you know, the same thing. Like it kind of felt like an all in move to me as well. I mean, and then, you know, they're sniffing around at Xavier and Howard. I'm kind of glad they didn't do that because they wouldn't have gone anywhere with him anyway. People were kind of put, you know, sniffing around Odell Beckham a little bit within the fan base. That's another move that would have, I would have liked, but it would have not really mattered much ultimately in the grand scheme of things. So I think this year is maybe a good example to me almost of like, just feel it out, like feel out when is a good time to go all in and take some swings. And I think they've, they've had sort of a good feeling for when to do so with 2019, 2020 is a little bit more of a mixed bag. Getting Gakwe didn't give them much. And then this year they kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say they had a feeling that they weren't going to go anywhere, but they didn't make a move, which is maybe a, a tacit acknowledgement that they did think that way. And then that wound up bearing fruit with uh, Jackson missing games down the stretch and then they missed the playoff. So I think um, I don't totally agree with your premise 100 percent, but uh, I do think you, you make some valid points in that regard. I would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive. Is this going to be the offseason to do it? I guess we'll see. So good points all around. And I definitely understand what you guys are saying. Uh, specifically to what Spenny said, certainly the Rams are a different market, a different, you know, financial backing. Um, as far as the PTSD, I take a little bit of issue with that, and I'm a little bit older than you guys. I remember after the first Super Bowl, Ozzy kept the entire team together. And mind you, that team had a lot of mercenaries, a lot of players that were not drafted by the Ravens, Rod Woodson, Shannon Sharp, Siragusa, McCrary, Sam Adams. Uh, Sam Adams. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, he kept it together, and then they had to blow it up, and they cut seven starters, and they rebounded pretty quickly. After the 2012 Super Bowl, he said he didn't want to do that. He traded Bolden, and then he took Bolden's money and spread it across Marcus Spears and Michael Hoff and a bunch of other guys. Interestingly, the Ravens had a better record in the three years following the salary cap purge uh, in 2002 than they did in the three years following the continuity model in 2012. Um, so this notion that the Ravens way, first of all, it hasn't always been the Ravens way. And second of all, it hasn't always paid dividends. I just think they don't have to do everything like the Rams. The Rams are an extreme outlier. 
But if you value BPA in the draft and you value devalued positions in the draft and you value cap conservatism and you want a deep roster and you also do comp picks and you uh, signed third contract veterans, every single one of those moves is really to raise the floor and none of those moves are to raise the ceiling. They, they don't build a top-heavy roster with the stars that a lot of the national pundits like uh, Robert Mays and Mike Tice are saying on their podcast, those are the players that they're the postseason kind of players. So you need those stars at the end. Um, so just with everything that they're doing, and now that you add in the factor that Kansas City is going all in, the Saints went all in and still won more games than the Ravens this year with their two highest paid players on injury reserve for most of the year. I don't think that falling off a cliff is really likely, to be honest. The doomsday scenario is not that likely. You also have Josh Allen. You also have Burrow. You have Herbert. You have some really good quarterbacks in the AFC and the model of contend every season, just get in the playoffs. Even if our team's a little bit weak and we know they're weak, but we're still going to spend all the way to the cap on replacement level players to give us a chance. I think long-term that ends up hurting them. And I do think this is time to maybe pivot the strategy a little bit. You can't stay in one mindset forever. and think it's always going to work. Nothing lasts forever. I think you're definitely, and I, I think they have loaded up on draft picks the last couple of years. But I, you mentioned these other quarterbacks. I just think there is, and and they've been tight. I mean, Earl Thomas dead money didn't help things at all. You know, had to deal with the Orlando Brown situation, whatever. But they have an opportunity because they're holding Lamar Jackson's contract extension to peak at the right time in terms of how much space they're going to have as the cap is supposed to jump up. Hopefully COVID continues to dwindle and, you know, we're going to be stuck with it in some form for a while, whatever, but hopefully that continues to dwindle. Mahomes and Allen are going to have more substantial cap hits that occupy a higher percentage of their cap space. And the Ravens can then consequently sign Lamar Jackson, have an extremely low cap hit in year one, and then an average cap hit in year two before it balloons up, which feels like it's ultimately going to happen. And at that point, that is when you can completely deck your your layout of your gun and you know get everything you want make it as fancy as possible get the scope get the get the hand everything on it and i feel like that is a, a good time but it just feels like right now you know who is the aaron donald who is who who are these play, you know jamar chase like they don't ha it's lamar but no, i mean mark andrews sure there's a lot of good tight ends in the nfl feels like you can have a great tight end on a on a bad team very easily and well, that's kind of the point. They just, they need more stars and they what don't. I, and what I like about your point, honestly, and like, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I don't know if I agree with you that I, I don't know if Casey is like, does the all in thing as much as you say, but what I will say about it is. Seems like Casey is more creative with they the are, way that they, they are, utilize their They are management. and they were with the offensive line moves they made. So I'll give you that. And draft picks. They trade draft Frank Clark and OBJ. They both traded draft picks. Sure, yeah. You know, 30, 31, and 32. Which, you know, it, it's not like that's... You can certainly give up picks like that, and the Ravens certainly could as well. And what I... All of this is to say that I kind of agree with you, but, like, where I agree with you is... I don't think it's like Casey's, like, strategy and, like, roster construction that's, like, getting them to where they are. 
I think there's one reason they are where they are, maybe two. The coach and the quarterback. And guess what? The coach in Baltimore is maybe as good as the coach in KC. The quarterback is not. Mahomes is on another level than everyone else. So you got to level the playing field for Lamar a little bit, and they've been doing that to some respect. I mean, Andrews is, you know, he might not be better than Kelsey at this point, but he's he's taken another step from where he was. I think Bateman is going to be very good. Hollywood Brown, uh, I think he's still a very good player and is going to continue to be a good player uh, for this team. Uh, and then um, they've made investments, but they do need to, uh, they do need to, I think, maybe even get a little bit more around him there to help him out, especially on the offensive line. We've already talked about that, but maybe even more weapons. Like, What's what really blows me is that they missed out on Stefan Diggs. Like that would have been the move, right? I mean, he helped take Josh Allen to another level. And I think a guy like that coming in when he would have come in would have been such a huge help. And um, ultimately they could have gotten him for, it would have been Patrick, essentially Patrick queen for Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Which you, you do that without even thinking. I do that right now without even plus the plus the money. Yeah. Well, but he's, he's not, he's like, I think 14 mils. He's not crazy. Paid. He's not crazy. Right, yeah. And yeah, then you yeah. don't maybe need to draft Bateman in the first round, you know, definitely has some, I, the, some effects. But. The big question is, do they overvalue draft picks? Because that's, I think really what we're talking about here. Will they be willing to trade a draft pick? And let's be frank. They, they love their draft picks, but the problem is that they're, who they think is BPA doesn't always turn out to be BPA. And I think there's a little bit of hubris there. That could be. I don't I think really, they've been drafting BPA like that heavily though. Like maybe Keen not in the need. first. Keen was an absolute need pick. Hollywood Brown well, they was, a, was a need pick. Bateman, I think NOA were both to a degree like, you know, they yes. had to draft a freaking yes. edge. I agree with that. I agree with that. The Bateman most- maybe no, Bateman feels like it was like all right, we're a receiver away. We're going to draft the receiver that we like the most at twenty-seven. So I don't pretend that I have all the answers, and my None of notion is infallible. But I do think that I'm just trying to move the Overton window because there's this, there's been this prevalence, uh, you know, this stubborn adherence to the Ravens' way as the way. And frankly, they won two playoff games in nine years. I think, and it's where you not- get, I think where you get frustrated, sorry to cut you off and you can continue, but like I think where you get frustrated is just people that like blindly say like they know what they're doing, calm down. And, well, like, I, I and totally not only that, that but like, what really frustrates me is that when they have a 2017 Ravens team that clearly is a tier below the top teams – and they're, they're like, well, let's just let's just sign let's yeah. just sign a bunch of mediocre players and blow and and kill all of our cap space that we could hypothetically carry over to next year, so we can contend every season, so we can get into the wild card and see if we get lucky and but the what, ball what did they do after twenty seventeen? After twenty seventeen, what did they do the following off season? Well, they had a good draft. They had that's that's well, really they, the question. They turned the engine over at quarterback, which was you know not an easy right. thing to do at t- at the time. And that's a see. Big this move. is the thing that I hate about that period, the the final Joe Flacco years, though. Too, they should have been four and twelve, five and eleven, six and ten those years. Right. Yeah, that's that's an issue. Like, like that's, okay, so that's the they were overperforming, and I think again that is like Harbaugh is going to keep you within the realm right. of of the playoffs. Playing, so there's like always going to be playing meaningful games. So. Number one, that's the reason why you go all in because even if you have to rebuild it, the UDFA so that was their mistake, and the guys right? they comp, they've signed and Harbaugh 
will lift the floor. They're always going to be a high floor team. Number two, they drafted, they had one of the best draft class in the history of the NFL in 2018. They got like six starters out of that draft, three all pros, amazing draft class. And they still couldn't get over the hump because of this contend every season mentality. I mean, but my, they, my they, fear, saw, they also signed Earl Thomas. I think they, yeah, I, they I, traded they for Marcus won, Peters. If they had won that fucking game in 2019, if they had just beaten the goddamn Titans, I don't they, think we'd they, be they, So they basically like, signed two all-pros, drafted – who was the third? What, they had Lamar, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown is like a pro bowler. He's Orlando pro Brown, I'll say, is an all-pro caliber player for sure. Um, so, I mean, Avery, they did, they did, they did uh, go all in in 2018 in a degree. It was just – I guess 2019, pardon but me. But they didn't have a receiver. They didn't have the receiver. They didn't have a receiver. They needed a receiver. If they would have just got that one piece, I would have understood it. So my fear is— If they drafted is, A.J. Brown probably instead of Hollywood or something. If you're playing with 100% of your resources on a given year and the other teams follow the Rams model and you start getting copycats and other teams are spending— 110% or 120% of their resources and mortgaging the future to a little bit, how do you ever catch up? Because health is health. And obviously there's a, a great deal of luck with that and there's variance in the playoffs and there's bounces. But whether you're a top-heavy team or a deep team, we saw this year, if your top guys get hurt, you're out of luck either way. So that's really where I think the league is probably going to go. I've seen several articles about that, that people are going to copycat the Rams. And if you continue with the stability, 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 is the goal to win the division the most times or is the goal to win the Super Bowl the most times? Because I think that's probably two different strategies. So the Rams went out and got who? They went out and got Jalen Ramsey. They went out and got Von Miller. And they claimed Odell Beckham on the waivers, which really was like They got Whitworth. They got Whitworth. They, did sign they Whitworth. got they signed Leonard, Whitworth. Leonard Floyd. Floyd. I mean, those are those are that's a lot of guys. So so offensively, they brought in Whitworth. They have Robert Woods. They they, they drafted him. No, Matthew, they didn't. Matthew he was with Buffalo. Is, oh, pardon me. They did sign Robert Woods a long time ago. You're right. You're right. So I mean, they they had Robert Woods. You know, when they were not great. Whatever. Sony Michelle. They traded for. I mean, they they made some aggressive moves. Um, so I just feel like the Ravens. Didn't do that offensively as much, but they did do it defensively. They did go get star players, like four in two years. Who's the four? I, Earl Campbell? Thomas, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, and Marcus Peters. And, okay. and you know, Von Miller is better than any of them. And Jalen Ramsey is better than any of them, too. Um, so I think there's that's the difference between being the we fuck, fuck those picks and – you know, let's that's where reasonably my, that's do where this. My let's kinda, use free agency. That's where the calculatedly swashbuckling term comes from. I think willing to make moves, but like the opportunity cost has to be. They also traded for Stafford, right? And and that's what's actually crazy is everyone's like, oh, well, this is a sidebar, but everyone's like, oh, Stafford had a $20 million salary or cap hit, whatever, this year. They also, how much money, dead money they have from golf? Like, and Gurley. And Gurley. And they had golf and Gurley, two terrible contracts, and they still massage the cap and their draft picks in a way to get it done. And naturally why I don't buy into the narrative that if they did say we're going to be more aggressive, that they would have a five-year downturn. It just doesn't happen. Look at the Bengals. The bank, where were the Bengals two if years ago? If you have the quarterback, the league, anyway, the league is designed. you're not going to have a downturn. 
The league is designed for parity. It's designed for teams to go up and down and up and down and up and down. And to try to stay at 10, 11, 12 wins every year is swimming upstream. And I really think it's counterintuitive. And there's a way to strategically take advantage of that. And this is the team that could do it with their prowess, with the UDFAs, with the late round players. And they could avoid those really down years while still adding a little bit more onto their top end years. So we've had this conversation a million times offline, and I think it's good that we're having it right now. And I feel like we've sort of come to the inflection point where we don't know what's going to happen this offseason. So what is, what is your idea? What is your plan for this coming offseason? Me? Yes. Uh, I think they want to. I want to sign a big ticket free safety, whether that's Bates. Probably Bates is going to get away. Marcus Williams probably is going to get away. Um, or Honey Badger. I don't Badger. know about that. I don't know about that with Marcus Williams. I, so okay, I think- well then that's to, to the point. If New Orleans can leverage the cap for eight years in a row and they still keep Marcus Williams, I mean. You know. No, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm saying. I thought you were saying uh, you think the Ravens aren't going to get Marcus Williams. No, no. I'm saying he's going to get away from New Orleans. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I I'm want sorry. the Ravens to sign Marcus Williams. Yes. Marcus okay. Williams. I think you get a free safety. I think that's a good good starting and then spot. You, and then I think you instead of signing five three million dollar guys or two million dollar guys, you sign one big ticket. Like I wrote Trent an article. Brown. Yeah, like I wrote an article before I was even hired to write. It was Buckshot or Slug. And I don't know if you guys shot shotguns, but the Buckshot is, you know, one big bullet in the center. And I'm sorry, a Slug is one big shot in the center. Uh, A Buckshot sprays. This guy thinks I don't have shotguns. Get out of here. Yeah, okay, okay. I got a Mossberg 550. But anyway. Do you want to spray your cap hit to six guys or, you know, say you got $10 million excess, or do you want to sign one $10 million player or one $10 million cap hit? I think you get one, one of those guys and then you draft trenches hard, two tackles or, or two offensive tackles, two defensive tackles, or maybe a pass rusher and a defensive tackle. That's that, that would be my preferred method here of what you do in the offseason. In a, in a nutshell, and of course, you can bring back a Justin Houston or a Calais Campbell. I'd do that also, but I think you get a free safety and trench it up. Good, good so, year to do it. Really good year to do that. I, I just like I don't have I haven't done the true analysis to this, but I, I like very strongly feel that signing free agents on the offensive side of the football, especially to like m- big, big contracts does not work out that often. Um, I think that's bad business. I think defensively, there's really, you know, only kind of so many differences between schemes defensively, and you kind of really know what a guy is. There's health involved, but, like, I feel like defense is a little more straightforward. So I like that approach that they have, but I want them to actually do BPA, like actually draft 10-plus guys, Sign a Marcus Williams, draft the best players that you can find in the draft so that you have talent that is cheap. Go try and get four impact, three, four high-end rotational starting caliber impact players. Get as many as you can. And then again, I just feel like they're going to make the playoffs next year if they're remotely healthy. Mm -hmm. They're not going to win under what I'm saying. They're not going to go win a Super Bowl. 
that is when you can then open up the cap and go deck out the roster. I feel like one year after this upcoming year is, you know, I thought this year was going to be the year maybe, but, you know, and again, a lot of guys are, I think we need to temper expectations as well for guys like Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Marcus Peters, Marlon Hump. All these guys are coming off of huge injuries. Right. It it takes a year, man. Like, they're going to have stiffness. Tyus Bowser, you know, is, is going to be stiff and not himself immediately. We saw that with Rashad Bateman. You know, he's immediately lessened by his injury. Like, it takes a long time to get back where you were. And I think that's a little, a little uh, where you can get into Odell. I'll just for the sirens. I'm, uh, I'm in the city. Yeah, you're good. But um, <laughs> so I think there's some tempered expectations there. Ronnie Stanley's situation is they're very much at the mercy of that. And they're kind of, you know, back hiring linemen because of that, it feels like. And, and they're put in that position. But this is a good class of draft picks because of COVID. It is a lot of draftable players because so many guys got extra eligibility or didn't play enough games where they were comfortable entering the draft. The Ravens have a shitload of picks for the best draft in recent history to have a shitload of picks. Go sign a Marcus Williams. Go go give a four-year deal to Mar- to a to an, a second contract player that you can create as a bedrock of your defense. You can push the cap hits down the road. Mm-hmm. You can, you know... Get a starter here and there if you need. You can fill in just a little bit, but like get starting caliber free agents if you're going to find them. Get a Zeitler. Get get someone like that if you can. I agree, Vaz. At some point, you need to be able to use UDFAs and late-round guys to fill holes instead of free agency because I, I do agree, ultimately, the drop-off of your you know fourth-round pick or your seventh-round pick or a UDFA to a very mediocre mid-level free agent that costs $4 million instead of one isn't going to be that big, probably. And you That's should have the, the coaching staff in place to be able to enhance some of these younger guys. And, and if you're confident right. in your coaching staff, you should be able to build those guys up. So That's where, uh, the, like premium, that that's where the premium position aspect comes in, into play, really, to me, because there's certain positions where – the drop-off between a fourth and fifth-round guy and a UDFA is minuscule, and there's certain positions where it's pretty big. So that's that's really the angle that I that I refer to quite a bit. There are you're not finding you're not finding to, corners to and tackles. Point, there are more UDFAs at a lot of those kind of uh, tertiary, like third-tier, fourth-tier positional value positions that are playing than there are day three guys. Anyway, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm also as, as a collective curious. because there's so many UDFAs. Obviously, the hit rate on a fifth round pick is like you know how many guys end up turning into an impact player in each fifth round? Three, four, you know, in a in a in a stocked fifth round, maybe five or six out of forty picks. Right, and then you know a Judon comes along every once in a while, but that's especially at a premium position that does not happen very often. Those guys get pushed up to the board because all the all the teams are are searching for those guys. They're searching for pass rushers. They're searching for receivers. They're searching for offensive tackles. And they're searching for receivers. And I guess receivers, not as much because it's so deep as Jake has brought up many times, but uh, deep, you know, nose tackles and running backs and offensive guards and, those, and middle inside linebackers, those are the ones that fall through the cracks because the teams are pushing up the other ones. So don't take that, you know, be strategic about it. Be strategic about it. Those are the ones when you can, you wait on them because they're just, they're easier to find. The Ravens have proven it time and time and time and time again throughout their history. I don't even, I don't need to list all the players they found because you guys know them. 
I'm also kind of curious and like I'm in favor of signing a name this year and I think free safety would be a good spot. I think offensive line would be a good spot. Um, sign him to that long-term deal, make it a little bit less extensive down the line. And I'm curious, like when's the last time one of these teams that goes all in actually paid the Piper with cap space? Like it just right. feels like teams are just pushing it down the line every single year. So you can afford to like swing. That's, that's what I got into last off season because the, the only time you pay the Piper is if the NFL stops. Right, and like, like the, you can always like sell more just, picks. They, the Packers There's have always nothing. going to be the, the 2027 first round pick. The Packers There's always have. going to be the 2032 first round pick. So you can keep yeah, digging Ram, yourself that's out. That's the Rams with draft picks. The Packers are talking about, oh, we're just going to get the whole band right. back together. They have negative space to work with, and they're just going to do it, and it's probably going to work. Like this time last year, everyone thought the Rams were going to win two games. They 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 managed to franchise Marcus Williams. Michael Thomas didn't play the entire the Saints, year. The Saints, the Saints. Saints. I'm sorry, Saints. They Michael Thomas didn't play the entire year. They were running out Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill and who was the other one? Simeon. I really, he was, Jameis, he well, they didn't really win games without Jameis though. Like Jameis they, was good. They won nine games. Yeah. The Ravens won eight. I think Jameis won. Didn't Jameis win six of them? I you know it's been a minute. I don't recall, but he won, he won most of them. I don't think Ian Book and Simeon were doing much. So. Their second highest play player missed more than half the year. Kamara missed time. I mean, people miss time. But if you have, you know, they kept Lattimore. They kept Ramchek. They kept the core. And I think if you have high-end players at premium they shut positions. shut out Tom Brady. I forgot about that. <laughs> if, if you have high-end players Payton. at premium like, positions, that it raises, sneer, the, that sneering raises the floor Sean and Payton. the ceiling at the same time. And to me, that's the Goldilocks. That's the goal because maybe this isn't your year, but you have them locked up, and then next year you have more space, and then you can build around them. And then the year after that, you still win nine games because you still have a lockdown corner and and pass protectors and the people in the right places to win games. They also went on a fucking run drafting really good players for like four straight years. Mm -hmm. They drafted they in a four-year period. They drafted Sheldon Rankins, Michael Thomas, Von Bell. David Onyemata, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Kamara. Ramchek, Marcus Williams, Alvin Kamara, Trey Hendrickson, Marcus Davenport, Davenport er they Eric McCoy, and CJ, CDJ. They traded up for Davenport, and I think they gave up a future first, and he's been a bust, and they still left No, he's cap. very good now. Very good now. Okay. Okay. But he he had a slow but start. But he, 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 he's had like one and a half good years. So he was, he was yeah. a bust, so to speak. So – I think the point that we're all agreeing on here is that this idea that if you go all in for one year, you you overspend ten ten million on a player, you're doomed for the next five years. It's just not true. Well, it's, it's funny. Been proven I, and time and again. <laughs> I can't I can't find it, but um, Sean Payton got asked about it a couple of years ago, and he was he said something to the effect of like, "Well, shoot, just look at the country's national debt." So like comparing <laughs> like comparing this to like a extremely like it's true flawed, though it's flawed it's economic system is like funny, but like yeah, it, you just keep kicking it down the line. It's never gonna like it's literally never gonna affect you. The caps. And I think I think Adam Jones has a good million. point here in the comments. He said, "To be honest, I feel like the Ravens and EDC are kind of lying a little." I think they will if they want to get a star, they will, or if they really want to pay someone, they will. And that's why, like in Gakwe was a funny situation. They were sniffing around him for years. And that's why now everybody's like honey badger, because they keep sniffing around these certain guys. And people think Ngakwe didn't work out, whatever. I disagree with that. But um, you know, I I it they 
It's difficult. So I know we're all sick of hearing they almost traded for DeAndre Hopkins and stuff like that. But, you know, that's what I always like to say. EDC makes every call. He makes every call, assesses the value. He knows what it's going to take. He's in every conversation. If there's one thing he's not, I know some people are like getting sour on him, but if there's one thing he's not, is lazy. I, I, you know, I appreciate you guys indulging this conversation. I don't have a whole lot more to say on it. I just think that if there's, it's just a fallacy that they can't do this or they can't do that. Exactly. Exactly. It's, they can do whatever TF they want. If you want a player, you can make it work. You can make anything. If you want three players, you can make three players work. If you want to trade anything, and this whole notion that this is the Ravens' way and this is and that's infallible. The, the playoff results just don't just don't support that anymore. So I, I support you think it's anyone time to shake it up ultimately. And, and I, right. Prospects Providence says, then why did EDC blame the cap when they couldn't get a player at the deadline? I think it was kind of like them saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't be buyers right now, uh, considering where we are. Maybe maybe we'd be a little better served to to push that six months down the road into getting more play for our pay. Um, and, well, and he didn't want to come spent, out and say, yeah, we stink. Because they spent most of it on replacement players that they didn't necessarily have to do. They entered the season with a decent amount of cap, and they could have made moves. They could have extended Peters at that point. They could have restructured, restructured Humphrey. They could have done several things. They chose not to, which is good. I just wish they would have chose not to do that two months before when they could have rolled a little bit of cap over to this year. Um, but it is what it is. But but. It's it's so fungible, and uh, so many of these teams with void years and all the gymnastics they're showing, they're, they've they've proven that it can be done. Certainly, and contract language, and you know, bonus money, and conversions, and restructures, and all that good stuff, uh, definitely. But I, I think I don't know. I feel like the tree is getting shaken up. I think the wink firing was a pretty heavy like indicator that Harbaugh is not pleased, and that they want to turn over and do some different things ultimately. And the offense was humming, man. Defense was terrible. The offense was humming. The offense was in a good place while missing some pretty heavy hitters. And I don't know. I, I think I think the entire notion that the Ravens have been frugal is completely because of last free agency period when there really wasn't this like great free agent class, so to speak. And they also did some of their shopping ahead of time with guys like Clayus Campbell and things. And have, I don't know. And I, I think that's why people are uncomfortable because they wanted to see a move at the deadline because EDC has treated the trade deadline as his, you know, bargain bin free agent, give up a fifth round pick to go get, you know, to, to take that guy off the market and then work a contract extension out or something. So um, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's gotten a little hyperbolic about how frugal they are. I don't think they're, you know, some crazy penny pinchers, but, they spend out the cap every year. The question is, what are they spending it on? Are they spending it on stars that are going to win you playoff games? Or are they spending it on backup nose tackles and blocking tight ends and special teams guys? And, and that's, that's why I think this draft class can be a nice, thick class. Go get yourself four or five guys that can help out in the next, you know, two, three years. And that way you can really go say what takes us over the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I'm excited for this draft class. And then from this point forward, I mean, go trade a first-round pick next year. Go find the dude. Go find, you know, trade a second and a third if you need to to go find that that cherry on top that will be making plays in playoff games that the other team can't stop, regardless of what the scheme is, 
regardless of all these things we want to do, you know, how many, how many guys at this point, major guys are eventually it comes down to Jerry's and Joe's not X's and O's. And with how kind of common the schemes in the league are getting again, I feel like it's kind of mushing into that McVeigh Shanahan, you know, there, there's that whole faction of that. So it's, it's time to go get some dudes. Three out of four, uh, three out of four of the copper champion teams were from that tree. So right, uh, the wide zone tree. Yep. Yep. So go get guys that can bust that up, and uh, you know, the offense is a whole other discussion and whatever. But they were performing at a high level and need to obviously, you know, make Lamar feel good about his protection, about his weapons, all that good stuff. But. I just feel like a nice thick draft class, find a star if you can get one in free agency that, and that's what, again, I'm just going to keep coming back to Marcus Williams because I think he is a very good player. He's been very consistent. He is young. He doesn't have an injury history. I'll knock on wood for him there. And he's, you know, someone you could sign to a four or five year contract, push the money so that when the cap is up, it's not going to be as big of a deal. And then go launch a second round pick or a fourth round pick or whatever it is when you need to next year. They've been dra- how many draft picks have they had? I mean, in the last like four years, it's it's about time to go make a move, an Anquan Bolden type move or something of the sort. Well, DeCosta said that um, I forget, but at his comp- uh, presser, what was that last week, that they were eclipsed by another team for having the most draft picks at the very end of the last draft or the like average draft picks over the last four years or something like that, which just shows his mindset. He just wants to accumulate. And I get that, but how about maybe more early picks and then more late picks? And I think there's a better way to do it. Well, he also said last year that he was quite insulted at people's thoughts on his receiving core. So (laughs) we don't, we don't have to like totally buy into it. They've averaged nine and a half drafted players from 2018 through 2021. Right, right. And and, and somebody, before that, 2016, 2015. Second like most in the league. Second most in the league. Guys. And what is it and what is that really getting them once it becomes crunch time in the season? It's probably not not working as they as intended. They've they've drafted some nice rotational guys in the latter rounds, but or whatever, but you know and it, it kind of feels win. like they're on it kind of feels like they're on they're they're kind of due to hit on a a monster fifth round pick at this point. It's just to me like the comp pick thing. The comp pick thing is great, but like they revolutionized it and then everyone else caught up. And literally we're talking about 20 years ago. That is even that is like a different sport than we're talking mm-hmm. about right it now. It is a hundred percent and sport. off the field. Like and players don't fall to them like they used to. The players used to fall the, to the them. globalization of the sport and of the draft process and of just social media and the amount of consumption, how much smarter people can become. Right. And, how much quicker you can pick up on trends and data and things of that nature. It is closed the gap in many respects outside of football in the business world, in, you know, academia and all kinds of stuff. It's time for version 4.0 of roster construction. I've got Davon Johnson here. He says, stop Spenny. The draft is a crapshoot. That's why I'm saying they're due to have a home run fifth round pick because it is a crapshoot. And eventually, you know, you're, you're on a cold run there. You get your Prochets and your Broderick Washingtons and, you know, a couple nice, you know, rotational guys or whatever. Hard uh, tens, hard ten. TC, can you uh, exactly. can you make a graphic of Voss uh, as like photoshopped as like Steve Jobs or Gavin Belson, like pitching Ravens 4.0 to like TechCrunch or something like that? That's, <laughs> I, I like the sound of that. Questions or uh, uh, mailbag? 
I don't know. What I'm Googling is just like what teams have won more than like three playoff games in the last like four years or something. It's, it's been uh, – uh, well, I looked at it before last year, and the Ravens were uh, bottom third, and then they won one last year. So, And they got two uh, – at least one bye. But division around ceiling um, – I don't know about you. It really depends on what you prefer. But, yeah, I, but I, don't think, I would I don't that, prefer that, 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 that Bills game just ruins everything as well. 2019, but like that's not a divisional round. That Bills that game was a, was a nightmare with a win. They up. couldn't even kick the freaking ball. They Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson completed one pass that traveled over 18 yards in the air. I think Huntley threw a deep ball that literally sailed 30 feet over Brown's head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that might not be. Down the right sideline. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, I personally would I, I prefer. Agree. I, think, I, I think, would prefer you know, one more thick class. Sign. They have plenty of avenues to create cap space that are very within their normal business operations. Just restructures and extensions. Nothing crazy. Um, cutting a couple guys, cutting a Boykin, cutting a Ben Powers, whatever. Um, if if there are guys that they need, I think again, uh, Adam Jones said in the comments. If there are two guys that they want, they can go get them. I, I don't think they're up that tight considering some of the, the moves they can make. Dan Rees, we really should have on this show. He does a really good job with it. He's awesome. That's my yeah, guy. he's a great dude. Does a great job with cap work and understanding and, and spitting it out in the length of a tweet and making it comprehensive and or, uh, able to be comprehended. But yeah, I, I think one more thick class. Go get a Marcus Williams. If there's someone else you can get, throw him on there too. And then trade a first or a second or a third or whatever it takes to go get, you know, a guy or two. And I think they're in good shape. Again, I just think when they read, when they eventually, I do think they're going to end up extending Lamar. Everybody's all up in arms. It was freaking quarterback extension media. The worst thing that thank the Ravens, the Joe Flacco contract didn't work out, but thank them for just making that quick and clean. And we didn't have to hear about it. Right. Uh, that was nice in hindsight with how terrible this is going to be until it gets done. Well, that but, it, he also played that out a year. He bet on himself. You know, they put an offer on the table and he, uh, he said no. So hopefully it happens again. Worst case would be, would be the Ravens having to hand Lamar a blank check as he wins a super or best I'll ta- I'll case. Take, would be I'll Lamar. take one super bowl per decade. I, I, I'm, Even I like if Lamar that. wins a super bowl, are they going to, how much more is he going to make them a homes? That's the question. You know, I don't think, it's not unlimited. It's not, you know, there is. But I think it, I think it increases the years. That's the thing, which increases the flexibility. Like the chiefs can do whatever they want because Mahomes has a contract where he can push a hundred million dollars off of it. Can they say whatever the hell they want? Right. So once they start get taking, uh, you know, 14 money line parlays in the, uh, at, at, in the first floor M&T Bank Stadium, everybody's going to, the cap's just going to continue going up. Exactly. They got a horseshoe right they literally a block away. So, <laughs> so I, I agree. I think, you know, they've been drafting these thick classes for a long time. Eventually, got to go, got to go the other way. Just, just for mm-hmm. the sake of balance in anything, yes. Yes. you know, just in life. You know, you've had nine, ten draft pick classes how many years in a row. It's time to... Change it up a little bit just for the sake of fucking changing it up. And especially when you're in their organization or like the Steelers or the Packers where they have the same coach and the same GM, sometimes you got to just do the thing you haven't been doing. I don't and know. They, and they actually have. I mean, the <laughs> the Steelers traded up for uh, Bush. They uh, traded uh, They traded for Minka. 
Yep, and the yeah, they traded for Minka. Another one. The Packers ponied up for uh, ZDS, and uh, who, who was the other guy? They paid. They I mean they pay guys. They paid. They, they, got, Smith, Smith too, they yeah. paid there's somebody yeah. else I'm forgetting, but yeah. they pay, they paid, they, dra- they drafted and, Rashawn Gary. They paid those two guys. Like yeah, they. I think you. I think there's a case to be made that the Ravens have been the most conservative. They're one of the five most conservative teams over the last since the Costa took over. Out of the Inc- competitive ones, inclu- including including Thomas, and I give him credit for that. And I think that was a great I don't know, move. Man. In a in like eighteen in like twenty months, he acquired th- four Pro Bowl or All Pro defensive players. You're also you're also talking about a team that is in the division with a team that is owned by Mike Brown. So and like, listen, they have one. They spent money though. They spent money. They did. See, no, they They, did. All they did was spread their money around. Everyone else was cheap. Hilton, how much you pay Hilton? Hilton was like twenty million. He's one of your guys that like they spend a little bit of money on and they spread it around with other guys. And they they they, no one. And I know that. Shout out to shout out to Riley Reeve. And you know who they did pay? Actually, they paid a nose tackle, top of market. Yes, money. they did two years ago, and that but was he, a great but, signing. That was a great he, signing. But he can rush the passer a little bit. That's yeah, the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little better bit, than, better, little better bit. than better than the one whose name we better won't than say. Nine, better than ninety-eight. Guess what? That's for it don't sure. mean a I'll thing if you sure. don't got the ring. Let's see. And the I Bengals mean, they, lost they, the Super you know, Bowl. Von Bell's a respected player, box safety. He's getting paid. You know. Five million dollars a year. Trey Waynes, they paid him more. Trey Waynes didn't even play. Chidobia Wuzier was scraps and turned into a really good starting corner. They just true. They got lucky with him. I'll give you. I don't. I think. I don't think they got lucky. I think they have a good coaching staff that, and a good a good front office that was like these. You know, they've they've got the right sauce right now, um, to to go get guys and develop them and put them in positions to succeed. So. Um, you know, luck sure is a factor in all of it, and there's there's always going to be that crapshoot aspect. But you know, Hendrickson, I, you know, Hendrickson, I was I was like, man, you know, no one's talking about him. He did have a big year, but I, I was thought that was an overpay. I thought they should have. I on. said I said in the off season that I thought I had the Bengals going seven and nine, uh, seven and ten, or eight and nine, and everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, dude, they signed some like okay guys on that. I said I think that defense will be okay. Good call. And, I mean, by no means that I say anything along the lines of they're going to win the AFC at all. So I'm not trying to, you know, dunk on that or anything. But um, yeah, when we yeah. found the uh, when we found the video, and for what do they do? They signed defense and drafted offense. Yeah, when we found the uh, draft video for Bateman, I I heard myself saying like, yeah, they could be like right around 500. This is going to be a competitive division. So I think we were kind of in line with that. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, that's what one off season can do for you. So if Bateman, if Bateman turns into a stud next year and adds, you know, again, buzzword, functional strength and, you know, gets fed the ball, I think so many problems overall on their entire roster are a lot of things are going to fall out in the wash if Bateman turns into a stud, which we saw some serious flashes of very much so and just didn't quite, you know, get him the ball and the offense started being a little weird. A stud. Because he's a he's an air quotes guy. As he is a yeah. He had the wide ones too. That yeah. was good. Yeah, he, I like that a lot. It's a good look. This is a good look at receiving corps. I really think so. Yeah. Um, and, and people I, want I, us to touch on Hollywood. I, I don't know, man. I, their agents run their social media. To me, I, I love that. Like fifty-eight year old men are trying to like make content about 
social media. JLC's no probably got the really on. big text on his phone and he's like trying to like work his way through like yeah, a scrub. They've Instagram got page. the font on like jumbo on yeah. their phone and they're trying to decipher what's going on. It's like, dude, their agents all run their social media. Instagram is for like branding yourself and stuff and announcing stuff and whatever. Um, I don't know. They just also said, Eric DaCosta also just said out loud to the world, I think that Hollywood Brown's fifth year option is a bargain. Yeah, I think so, uh, I think that and eh. like there, there's another thing going around about him that we don't even have to really touch on. It's I think it's kind of all BS, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? We shall see. Um, but yeah, so I agree. I, I think this is a good draft class to do. You know, the other tough part is that it takes two to tango. You know, the no, there's no, there's not too many studs in this draft class. This is the the top ten. We're, we're so far from that. We're so far from that. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm just, and you know, I mean, condense those picks really. The, I think the, the maximum efficiency of what you should do with 10 picks and w- with where they're sitting is draft eight players in the first three rounds. Yes. I think so. Let's you, trade up in the draft this year a little bit and do it. You know, you can do that reasonably. Let's when's the last time they trade up? Let's turn, you know, the 98th pick into the 65th pick or something and do use future picks to do that if you can. And it takes two to tango, but, you know, condense all of that. If there's all these players that, you know, went back for another year, didn't play last year, condense it into the top 100, draft seven times in the top 100. And you'll it's probably just have a, a fucking I'm draft. saying like the top end because I saw Brugler put out his top 100 today and he put Hutchinson one and he said Hutchinson would not have gone in the top 10 last year. So... I think the real, but so usually most draft class, I think there's like from one to 15 and then the next tier is from like 15 to 55 or 60 or something like that. And then it goes down. And I think maybe the top 20 or so might all be pretty similar this year. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good year to do it. You got a million picks and uh, you know, not, not a ton of roster space to even really, even really uh, kind of waste with uh, picking a ton of guys. So, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, just make it happen. It's Shoot, look at the country's national debt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think we've covered That's, a lot. We're going to need to clip that one. Yeah, let's, let's clip that here. Uh, I think, that uh, was an all-time great quote. That was good recall by I you. Got, I got to find that. That's, that that's really – that's that uh, that Kevin James really knows his way around uh, way around a press room. He does. He does. My parents actually watched that movie the other day. Still I watched get it. The review. Was it good? I pro- I don't know. It was it was secretly was a Happy Madison production. I was going to say it had Rob it, Schneider in it. I was going to say Happy Madison was involved, so it had to be there had to be it at least was, some redeeming it was quality. funny. It was like way more ridiculous than I thought it was going to be too. Like it is not trying to be serious at all. So I'd, I'd watch if I would tell you to watch it. The best thing was the uh, the lights camera barstool guys like tweeting the picture that uh, Kevin James is unrecognizable as Sean Payton when the, like the first screener came out and people were like what the fuck are you guys talking about like that that looks nothing like him it's like yeah that's that's kind of the joke like <laughs> oh. he really ate a lot of gumbo to get ready for this role he just looks just like him I don't blame him I don't blame him. Um, but yeah I mean I'm all taked out I don't know if you guys got anything le- final final take as well is like watch quarterbacks have fall-offs because we're all like, oh, the AFC for the next 47 years is going to be so to watch, watch that and like slightly not be as big of a deal as we think it is. It's just a lot of them. Like if two of them fall off, the other two might step up, you know? Exactly. Um, I did see one good guys have injuries. Guys have down years. 
It's not going to be six guys going for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns for the next decade. I pretty, I feel like we touched on most of this mailbag, but there was a good question from Space Ghost. Go for it. Uh, one guy you wish to trade for, one guy you wish to draft, one guy you wish to sign a free agency. I saw that too. Trade for is kind of tough. Um, I mean, I like Joe Montana. I don't know. Freaking. <laughs> <laughs> People Calvin are going to come at you for being a Lamar hater for saying that. Uh, I would yeah, say, exa- yeah, exactly. I would say, I w- God, I, I like the idea of Matthew. I know that's kind of everyone's on that train, but you guys got me turned on to Marcus Williams here. I'd say sign him, mm-hmm. draft whatever tackle you like best at 14. It's I'm not like literally not you know saying anything new here. I think people have kind of talked about this a lot. And then I want to see them pick up another wide receiver. I don't know like what is going to happen with Sammy Watkins. I'd be fine bringing him back if it's on the cheap. Um, but maybe something somebody with even more. You know what I can't potential. get out of my head is Chris Goblin. Sure. And it's like somebody with impact potential. Like I like that idea a lot because Hollywood has impact potential in his own ways, but like he, you know, he's not like scaring people. Um, in a lot of different DJ places. Shark, DJ, Sh- yeah, and like that's, yeah. a, that's a guy that I'm like, I secretly want Traylon Burks. I yeah. haven't watched him. I, I secretly want, I secretly want a horse of a wide receiver that will AJ Brown people complete death. the complete the basketball team. Like you look at the Bengals, you got Boyd, you got Chase, and you got Higgins, and those guys all have different profiles. They Uzama and yeah, right. Um, and you got that kind of with Andrew. Auden Tate, shout out Auden Tate wherever he is in the world. Yeah, shout out to Ian Seminole. Um, but yeah, no, um. Complete the basketball team. Go get the big wide receiver. I, I like the idea of that. I like can't, I like can't get it out of my head. I think I'm just a little wide receiver crazy from the last couple of years because we wanted. Yeah, them I think so you bad. guys are. I was I wanted wide receiver worse than both of you guys, and now I'm like, yeah, we're good. We're yeah, fine. Yeah. We got I mean, Andrews. Yeah, know. Jake wants Jake wants the Ravens to trade for Jawan Jennings. That's Jake. Yeah, point. you're fucking right. I do. That guy is my <laughs> my crush at the position, Un, and he is a restricted free agent this year. Give up the first round pick for him. If <laughs> there we first go. First round draft picks there don't matter. Bring one back. I mean, it's tough between between yeah. Bozeman and Campbell. I guess. Um, whatever. I guess. I Campbell, think Houston. I, I'd like to see Houston back. I definitely do want Houston back, but I think I'm going to go with Campbell just because I think Campbell is just like a rare body. Yeah. I think yeah. He's six eight. He's nimble ish. You know. They just have so. It's just like again, they have like cluster like six slot receivers, five, three techs. You know, it's just everybody's like the same. And then four or five strong safeties, no free safeties. That's the only thing. I mean, I'd like to see Matabike grow up, grow, grow up a little bit. So uh, I don't know, but I, I'm certainly not opposed to Campbell, but he's not, he's not man. In the so, but that's who would you rather. So who would you rather keep Bozeman? I think Houston. I would rather keep Houston Kick McCarty inside and draft either Cross or uh, or Icky, or maybe move up for Neil if you're if you want to get a little bit crazy. Um, I then, wholeheartedly love Charles Cross. I think he's going to be the best of the three of them. Yeah, um, unbelievable athlete. You could move, but yeah, you can move down for Falele, then move back up with those picks and the other picks that you got. Like there's a lot of different a lot of different permutations. I saw Falele in the third. Well, on a I yeah, think he. I mean, I'm telling you, the combine he went to IMG change. Academy, and the the director of sports performance of IMG Academy said that he had like eight percent higher of an explosive score for on his jumps and stuff relative to weight, basically his RAS, yeah, than anyone in the history of IMG. 
I think wow. he's gonna. He's, I think he's, he's gonna, gonna jump out of the gym and like combine. He's gonna yeah. rock he, the combine. He is six eight three ninety ish. No, yeah, he's a monster. And blocks in space, like hunts DBs down in space. I, if he goes in the, if he lasts through the third round, I will. My head will spin. They've, like and the they've distance. they've traded back and then traded Ruder, back up. I think Ruder, whoever does he, whoever put the NFL to comp three rounder out today had had him in the third. Like I've, I could forward. write a thesis on him. He's one of the most interesting prospects in years, but. Yeah. Um, I'll, I will have a thesis on him once I've watched more of his games. I've only watched four of his games so far. I'm still and they still, still getting through before all the, the reports come out. But uh, for me, I mean, I want to re-sign Campbell. I would like to sign Marcus Williams, and I would like to draft Charles Cross. I think that's my my triple threat there. And Charles Cross, I don't know. I, I it's weird, you know, the switching right and left side stuff is very strange, but. Um, I think he's a lot more tenacious than people give him credit for. I think he is incredibly athletic and can do anything you want him to on a football field in the trenches. And I don't think the Ravens will be able to get him at 14, but I don't know. I, apparently he's uh, a little bit polarizing. I don't know. You he's, never know. Yeah. Um, remind me what ankle of Stanley's is. Uh... It's his right ankle, which makes it a thousand times worse. Right, and really. Yeah. He's just, yeah. It's to play anchor, left yeah. tackle, it makes that is way worse because that's his plant leg, where you want to be able to feel. If he apparently has some nerve damage in there, you want to be able to feel everything through that and, and where you are. So, so he's better sides off. Yeah, that's what I'm would saying. Would theoretically maybe kind of almost help. Maybe remember when but, remember when Yonda switched to uh, to left guard when he when he messed up his shoulder a few years back. Right, just, exactly. So if there's if there's something that you can work around that way, then then why not? I mean, we're we're purely speculating here, but he's already got the bag. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just he's not going to catch feelings and uh, ask and for yeah. a trade. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Ronnie Stanley's asking for a trade anytime soon. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that you, you covered the one question there. I kind of, we can probably punt on the mailbag tonight. Sorry for everyone that's sent in questions, but we, we had a lot, we had a lot. The last thing I'll touch on, we had a lot of Ojabo and I, Ajabo is someone I would definitely be really happy to take at 14. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, if it, if it falls a certain way, I think he would be a guy that I would love. Jeez, I mean, like, he's one of the guys that I have gotten around to, and he's he is a pleasure to watch. He's a so. rare mover and has rare ability to finish, which you mentioned Matabike, Vaz. I, I think Matabike just, like, he lacks the understanding of how to get the sack, how to disengage at the right time. He wants to beat his blocker as opposed mm -hmm. to get that a sack. Sense. Ojabo wants to get a sack, not beat his blocker. Sure. Well, you pair Ojabo with Owe. I mean, you know, you get two freaks. I uh, certainly would, would not that helps complain against mobile about quarterbacks that. Too. It's going to help against mobile quarterbacks. And it will help Matabike. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's all it's all working in conjunction there. He can work slowly and, you know, use his, uh, his athletic ability inside. Um, Jermaine Johnson, like lab, another, another seminal, another seminal. That's it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that that gets us through a lot of it. We'll we'll get more into the draft stuff. We're still not quite there. We got free agency coming up. Did want to read before we get out of here. Read the dates. So Kyle was so kind as to send them. I think today. So we'll read them out loud for. I don't know what did he put it in the chat? So yeah, we got March the, March one. Is it in the chat or the content? One? I think it's content. Yeah, I he said March. Content. Yeah, I've got it. It's March first through the seventh is the scouting combine. March eighth, four p.m. ET deadline for franchise or transition tag players. March fourteenth, twelve p.m. ET tampering period. March sixteenth, twenty twenty two, new league year. So free agency begins, but it really begins with the tampering, so we don't have to worry about that. 
March 27th. Well, it really begins four days after that for the Ravens. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Uh, March 27th through 30th, (laughs) uh, annual league meeting, uh, and then draft about a month after that, probably. So there you go. There's the timeline. I think we're going to start the the big board like right after the combine. So that gives us probably about seven weeks of that. Actually, that, yeah, I would like to start it after the combine. We got a combine this year. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I missed it. It's crazy that it's not an indie anymore. I think it's crazy. Is it Dallas this year or is it LA? I think, I, think, I don't know. I think, I think Dallas. Yeah, I think it's Dallas. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, that'll, that'll be fun. I like the idea of it being an indie because I just love all the idea of these dorky sports writers like waddling <laughs> through like the bridges that connect all the buildings and going to Elmo's fire or whatever. It I is. know. That's all they I talk just, about. The part that I like is more nerdy. <laughs> it's that it was in the same place on the same surface. So you're going to get more like consistency. With well, it's also like that's like a much that. more walkable city. There's a reason it was there so that all the media and the executives could get together very easily. And it's now. also a central location in the country. Yeah. Arlington is literally the stadium is in the middle of nowhere in Arlington with the Cowboys. So that's like that's probably not going to be. They don't have shrimp. Actually, well, they do because Texas, Texas. Golf. Golf. Well, they, yeah, golf. they've got they've got shrimp coming in from like Galveston, which I don't know if I would touch with a ten foot pole, but yeah, you got that going on. That's gonna that's gonna change the dynamics up a little bit, but it'll still be fun. I think that uh, I think that about does it. Happy birthday, Vasily. Thanks, fellas. Looking good. Still, still, still in those thirties, baby. You're good to go. One more year. Yeah, one exactly. Just one more year. Cherish it. Cherish it. Cherish it. Cherish it. As Jeff, I want to make the most of it. Believe me. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll be there to help you with that. But uh, yeah, I guess that's all we got as far as the content goes. I think it was a, a good, a nice, tight little hour plus here, talking all that stuff, covering your mailbag questions uh, in in our own sort of roundabout way. So sorry we didn't explicitly get to those guys, but we will probably have plenty more of those coming up. Uh, but yeah, uh, programming notes got a little simulcast type deal that we're going to be doing with Bobby Trossett later in the week. He's got his, uh, own stuff that he does. Um, I think not really even affiliated, um, with BAL and uh, 98 rock. I think he's got like a YouTube channel. So we're going to be like, I think doing, doing a show and we're just going to kind of stream it to both our platforms in a way, or maybe just like post it on both platforms. So yeah, going to be great to talk with Bobby again. He's a, he's a guy who I think we've had on once and then we, we kind of talked to, uh, outside of the show quite a bit. So uh, he's he's always great to chat with. So he'll be on later in the week. That's probably going to drop. I don't know if we're live streaming it Thursday night or what, but it'll be out on Friday guaranteed. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned over the next couple of weeks. We're, you know, it's a little bit of a content suck, but we're going to be getting into some free agency talk probably. Uh, maybe try to like plan some content for that because I feel like that's something that gets a little overlooked with the draft coming up. And then of course, draft coming after that. So you got all that to look forward to and uh, it's going to be fun. Indeed. And uh, with that, see ya. Arrivederci. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? 